And as Awanona Kentz, she is reading from uh, Notes on a Missing G-String, which is the winner for the best title. <laughs> so I'll just set this up. This is from Notes on a Missing G-String. It's book two of my Jason Davey mystery series. Jason's a professional musician and an amateur sleuth. And in this book, he's investigating the theft of some money from a stripper's locker. And he's run up against a Soho crime lord, Arthur Brasky. And in order to get information out of Brasky, Jason's been forced into doing a firewalk, which Brasky has sponsored. Uh, he's really scared. And to make matters worse, Brasky's arranged for a traffic accident to deliberately delay Jason's arrival. So he's missed the introductory safety and prep talk that precedes all firewalk events. So one further point, Jason is obviously a guy. And this is written in the first person. So you'll have to imagine I'm a guy and I'm also English. I felt a tap on my shoulder. I turned around. It was Arthur Brasky. You have arrived then, he said, rather more jovially than I would have thought the situation warranted. Yes, I'm sorry, I said. It seems because I've missed the warm-up chat, I won't be allowed to participate. Nonsense, Arthur Brasky pronounced, clapping his hand on my shoulder and dragging me across to the organizer, a guy named Grundig. A late addition. He's walking. A moment of doubt flashed across the guy's face. But we have strict rules, Mr. Brasky. I know the rules. I'll assume the responsibility should he come to harm. I wasn't filled with any great sense of relief. I was most definitely going to come to harm. Having Arthur Brasky step in to accept the blame for it wasn't going to soothe the scalding burns on the soles of my feet. But... I'd advise you to agree, Mr. Grundig, unless you consider your daytime employment a less than necessary fixture in your life. Mr. Grundig opened his mouth and closed it again, obviously thinking the better of what he was tempted to say. Come with me, he said instead, taking my arm. A lot of people had promised they were going to be there to cheer me on. I didn't see any of them. Just watch the others, Mr. Grundig advised. Do what they do. Don't think about it. Try to think past it to the end. Walk quickly, but don't run. Don't stop for anything. Remember the Leyden Frost effect. He was going to leave me there. Abandoned me to the fire. He was going to walk away. Wait, I shouted. What's the Leyden Frost effect? A woman who was standing in last in line turned to me and said, Goodness, weren't you paying attention earlier? When the embers are at 700 degrees Fahrenheit, the water on the soles of our feet will produce a protective cushion that stops the skin from burning. And that's proven, is it? I said skeptically. Of course it is. Stop being silly. You'll frighten the others. I couldn't see how any of the others could possibly be more terrified than me. To make matters worse, Arthur Brasky was standing front and center behind the ropes, grinning at me like a bloody Cheshire cat. The reason I could see him in the dark was because there were four tubs filled with blazing logs, one at each corner of the fire pit, which I judged was about ten feet long and three feet wide. It was shimmering orange and red and looked extremely hot. It felt extremely hot, too. The warmth was radiating out, cloaking us as we stood in the lineup, waiting to prove our metal or have it melted. Are we ready, ladies and gentlemen? It was a flashy showman sort of guy, a natural with a mic. I found out later his name was Pete Barnum. I'm not joking. He checked the fire pit with a thermometer on the end of a long wand, then satisfied it was at just the right temperature for a perfectly seared top sirloin, made the announcement, shoes and socks off, if you please. 
Most of the walkers were already in flip-flops. A few, like me, were in trainers. I couldn't sit down on the grass as it was soaking wet, and I really wasn't keen to make my jeans look as if I peed myself. I got my trainers and socks off, balancing on one foot at a time, and I was actually rather pleased to be standing on sopping grass because I reckoned that meant I'd be giving the famous leg and frost effect a fighting chance. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you your fire master, Braden. Braden was as flashy as Pete Barnum and was dressed in a spangly white jumpsuit, the sort of thing Elvis would have worn while he belted out Viva Las Vegas. I had to hand it to Brasky. He knew how to deliver a show. Braden quickly rolled up his trouser legs and made sure they were going to stay up by applying a pair of diamond-studded bicycle clips just below his knees. Our brave Braden is going to be the very first to go, just to prove there's nothing to fear. Braden, if you please. Braden bowed to us, then trod onto the burning embers and walked quickly and efficiently all the way to the end, where he stepped off, planted his feet on the wet grass, and took another bow to enthusiastic applause. Next in line is... Pete paused to ask the woman her name. Alma, she shouted, raising her hands over her head while her friends and family cheered from the sidelines. Are you ready, Alma? I'm ready. Off you go then. With an enormous grin on her face, Alma purposely walked from one end to the other. She landed on the wet grass, shuffled her feet as if she was cleaning them off, then scooted around to where I was standing and rejoined the line. I'm going again, she shouted high on her success. I was no longer the last participant. Brasky was determined to make sure I went through with it. He was impaling me with his piercing glaze. I tried to ignore him, focusing instead on everyone else as they took their turns, trying to concentrate on what they were doing, how quickly they were walking, how honest they were at the end when they jubilantly claimed there was nothing to it and, with adrenaline-fueled exhilaration, cheered their fellow walkers on. I've suffered burns. I know what it feels like. I have scars though you can't see them unless I take off my clothes. There were 12 people ahead of me, and then eight, and then two. The assembled guests had been cheering nonstop, and at the end of each walk, they'd erupted into appreciative whoops and claps. It was my turn. You ready, mate? What's your name? Jason, I said. Ready to go, Jason? I wanted to say no. I wanted to turn around and run as far away from the fire as I could get. I could feel the grass wet and cold under my feet, as I forced myself to ignore my galloping heart and pay attention instead to the science. Hang on, Jason, we just need to rake the fire. I closed my eyes. I couldn't wait. It was now or never. Balling my fists, I opened my eyes and started to walk, just as Braden finished redistributing the hot embers. And it's Jason's turn. Let's hear it for Jason. My heart was racing. I barely heard the cheering. I could feel the heat on either side of me where the burning wood had been stacked higher. Science, I thought. Water, feet, focus. I was halfway there. I could feel a tingling on my soles, but it wasn't burning. It was like walking on the hot sand at Seven Mile Beach in Grand Cayman. Screw you, Arthur Baskey, I thought, pumping my arms the way I'd seen the others do it. Screw you, fire. This time you won't have your way. I was breathing deeply by the time I stepped off the burning path and onto the soothing wet grass. The onlookers on the other side of the rope had been encouraging me the whole way, but it was only at the end when I actually heard them shouting my name and sending me congratulatory cheers. Exhilarated, heart pumping, I turned to Arthur Brasky and gave him my best screw you too look before I strode off the grass 
and away from the fire pit. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you being on and, and doing reading today. And